Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Well, you know what that means? You are listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. I'm Trey Cashin, and that's... Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie, and we are, um, we're Zooming again. So um, <laughs> we got some good stuff to talk about, I think, and um, looking forward to it, our conversation. There's Thaddeus is here as well. and um, Great to be with before- you, Cashin. Great to be with you. I was... <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's virtually. Yeah. <laughs> Even virtually. But anyway, so Steph, why don't you uh, open us up with a prayer? Yes, sir. In the name of the Father, Amen. and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. And grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray Pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray Pray for us. For the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, we're we're back. I thought we'd... um... Sometimes yeah, I think, at least in my life, you kind of go, got to go back and get so caught up, which has really been what's happening for the last few months for me and just the day-to-day rep- repetitiveness of, what, of what's going on. And sometimes it's good to kind of recapture a vision of what this whole thing's about. Because ultimately, we're starting at the top here, location, marriage, and holiness. And those things all go together. And there's a... My family finally got this for me, and it's actually sitting in our, in our, um, in my bedroom, and I look at it every morning. But I think it's a good, good kind of framer of what we're talking about because I think we have to start with kind of a vision of where we're going to know what action should flow through them. So, so this is a this is one that has been something that I've kind of chewed on for probably the last twenty years. And this is a saying, not from scripture, but I think there's something that we can tap into here. It's vision without action is, I'm sorry, let's do this. Action without vision, I'm sorry. <laughs> Read it to me. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> sorry. Need some it's help. Vision without action <laughs> is a daydream. daydream. There you go. Action without vision is a nightmare, unless, of course, you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but but I but I think it's good to know that that we're supposed to have a vision and our actions should connect to that vision and that that's ultimately in the end what holiness flows from. So extending from that is well, I think that if you have vision and action and those are informing each other that you become more fully alive, you become more who you're meant to be. And you live with greater purpose and meaning. And I know that as you get caught up in work or in the doing your clothes or whatever, if you don't reconnect with the vision, the actions can become a nightmare. It can become something that becomes overwhelming and painful and maybe even seemingly meaningless. And I think that's a good place to start. And one of my favorite quotes that is from a saint is, and this is one version of it, the glory of God is man fully alive. And to be fully alive 
in that sense, I think, is to be a saint. To be fully alive is to be a person who, who is holy, uh, who's attempting to, hold, to, to live a life of holiness. And to be able to do that, you have to have the vision and the action must flow, f- flow from it. So That's Saint Irenaeus, folks. Saint Irenaeus. Saint Irenaeus. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I, I, I at least owe that to him. But so anyway, if we're going to talk about vocation, that's the biggest vi- vision, and and the definition that I have is that it's the calling or destiny that we have in this life, and in the hereafter. Ultimately, it's to know, love, and serve. God in this life and then enjoy him eternally in the next. Most of you older people might have heard that before, but again, to reconnect with that, if that is the call, we all are called by God in this life and have something to do that nobody else can do. So not only me individually, not only you individually, Stephanie, or you, Thaddeus, but but just like a person, a family, a marriage is has that same calling, and that it's in living out what it is to be a Christian. It, it's in living out this idea that we're in this world, but we're not necessarily of it. We're pointing, we're always pointing towards heaven at first, but then we come down and we have to serve him here. So to know, love, and serve him in this life is how we end up enjoying him eternally in the next. So the vision is long-term heaven. The short-term is what's sitting in front of me right now. And I think sometimes, I don't know about y'all, but I, there's a, sometimes there's a hard connection between whether it's work or um, chores at home or cooking food or doing whatever it is that you do is to connect, to connect knowing, loving, and serving him in this life. Because I think sometimes you can, we make the mistake of having that be more of a spiritual thing, something that means I, I'm supposed to pray but in reality, if you look at it, it, how do I know him? How do I love him? And how do I serve him in this life? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. That's how we become holy. And we do that in the day-to-day stuff. Does that make sense? Hopefully that was better than my butchering of the first <laughs> deal. I don't, I don't know. Does that make sense, Steph? Or? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think we've talked about... Um, you know, the fact that sometimes um, there's, um, we try to kind of compartmentalize our, um, yeah. you know, our lives and that there's a place for, you know, for holiness and it's on, on Sunday or when we're doing, you know, when, when we're doing volunteer work or our, um, when we're teaching, you know, catechism or, or you know, CCD or, you know, um, and, and I think that for me, many years ago was the biggest aha moment um, was that holiness is, should be woven through every, from the minute you get up till right. you lay your head on the, on the bed. And that, and that's hard. <laughs> it, it's hard. It was easier to compartmentalize it and make it, you know, <laughs> about this is my... being in church and this is, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be, you know, holy and, 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 um, and so, yeah, like trying to weave it through your day at work and, um, you know, just just recall um, that our, you know, our vocation is to 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 live out our lives in holiness, you know, no matter where we are, who we're with. I mean, um, is. Yeah, it's uh, so. So I hard. <laughs> it is hard. But I think one of, one of the, you know, holiness gets thrown around, the term holiness gets thrown around quite a bit. And I can remember, you know, the, talking about a priest or somebody's they're so holy. And, um, and certainly I've been around people who I, I feel that's the case, but I think it's important probably to define what holiness is. And the best definition that I have is to be in union with the, 
one who alone is holy. So God is the only source of holiness. And so to, to be holy means to be in union with him. Um, that, that's important to remember. So it, it, holiness does not look the same for everybody. And that's important. And we are all called to holiness. I know growing up that I thought, you know, priests are holy and, and certainly they're meant to be, but it didn't really extend or I didn't think it extended to just a dad or just a college student or just a son or a daughter. And Vatican II, not teaching something new, but, but, but actually extending what has always been taught says that everyone is called to holiness. Everyone is called to union with God and that that union with God extends beyond prayer time. It extends beyond mass. It extends beyond, it, it's supposed to permeate our lives. And I think a lot of people don't, I mean, I have to remind myself of that. What does it mean to be holy? It doesn't mean that I pray a lot. It doesn't mean, it, it doesn't mean that I am always nice. There have been saints that haven't always been the nicest. <laughs> it, it means that I'm in union with God and therefore more myself. And when I'm connected with that, I'm fulfilling the vision that he has for me, which is, and for you, which is to be holy, to be in union with him. And that those actions play themselves out in the everyday and not in particular times during the day or just on Sundays or, or, it extends even to the parking lot after mass <laughs> or it, it, it extends to, to the interactions with people that maybe you don't like, uh, or don't like being around. Um, so anyway, I, I don't know if y'all experienced that, but people th throw, can throw holiness around and they base it on just the outward appearances. Oh, that person's praise a lot or that person. And of course that, may be the case because if you're praying at least at least externally if, if, if you're connecting internally you are in union with God in prayer if you're at mass regularly you are meant to be in union with God if you are but that extends to when I go to work I should offer the day there so I mean some practical things would be of course go to mass because there he is, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and you're offering yourself together with him. You know, go to you frequent the sacraments, go to confession, because there he is in the priest asking you, offering you absolution. Certainly, pray daily so that you're listening to him, talk, talking to him, and be reading his word, which he inspired. Those are all things, but the vast majority. The vast majority of your life, the vast majority of your life is not, if you're like me or like most working people, is not at mass, is not in prayer. I mean, if you're super connected to God, you might spend, you know, an hour or hour and a half a day. I mean, that would be, I mean, but that's not what it means. What happens with the rest of your life? And that's what I want to make this about is that we're, as, Matt, as Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas says that that's not a, that he, he's ordering that because he wants that to happen. So here's the deal. God's provided the sacraments. He's provided grace. From a, from a Christian perspective throughout all time, not to cover us up, not to just protect us, but actually to lift us up, to make us more than we're capable of being separate from that grace, uniting ourselves with him, and therefore striving for Christian perfection. Now, do we get there on the, in this life? No, because we're all sinners. But do we do it on our own or is it just stuff that we will know it's God's grace active in our lives. It makes, it helps make us perfect and we strive for that. So any and thoughts? 
Well, I, you know, just um, kind of listening to you go through that, I, you know, just I'm kind of just thinking back over my life. I mean, I think that, um, you know, what you start to do when you almost get to be 60. <laughs> 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 but just thinking about um, that that connection was really made the most solid for me um, when I became a parent. <laughs> Yes. And that's why it's important to talk about it now. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, that for me was, um, you know, the, the height of my evangelization. Cause here you have, I mean, I, I just remember I, I, like yesterday taking our now 25 year old who's celebrating his first year anniversary this week of marriage of the sacrament of marriage. Um, I can remember taking him home from the hospital and looking at him laying in that bassinet and was like, oh, my Lord, <laughs> right. what have you done? You have put me in charge of a soul. I mean, you know, um, and just that, um, the, the weight of that when you're, you know, why I didn't feel that responsibility for my own self. <laughs> I right. mean, as I was growing up, going through teenager and college years, you know. Um, but when I looked at that baby and thought it is my, our responsibility to, um, you know, to bring this child up in the way that he should go so that he, you know, that, so that he'll get to heaven and so that he'll be holy. And, you know, so, um, yeah, there's, there's nothing like having a child that brings you to your knees and makes you realize, um, you know, the threat of holiness starts when your feet touch the ground in the morning till your head lays on the pillow, you know, at night. Um, and I think that's, you know, through our parenting, I, I've heard, heard, and, and I'm doing air quotes because I, you know, have never, like, I've never heard a booming voice of God speak to me. Um, but there have definitely been thoughts that have passed through my head during times of correction or teaching with my children that I feel like God has said, hello, <laughs> are I, you listening to what you're saying? Because that's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> right. And I think that that's part of the beauty of the way God is orchestrated in the, in the sacrament of marriage, which again, a sacrament. Okay. <laughs> oh, here we go. Zillion times, but, <laughs> but, it, but it's a visible sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace. And so grace is God's gift of, himself and his divine power to elevate our nature. Well, part of that is, and part of what's a graced moment is when a, when a parent realizes, I think that first, cause I don't, I mean, I don't know if everybody, Thaddeus, you maybe could jump in here in terms of what, what you felt, but I remember the first child, it was, it was overwhelming when particularly when it's any child's born, but, but that first child is all of a sudden you become aware of being connected to something more than yourself. And, and I don't know, I mean, of course, marriage is meant to be that, but, but there is a, now a human being that is the outward sign, the visible sign of, um, the visible sign of our union. And that's, I think what, whether we realize it at the moment is what overwhelms us. The other thing is, and I think it's part of the, the mystery of parenthood, is that he's chosen the family, the married, married life and children, to be an outward sign of his Trinitarian life. And so I think at that moment, whether we know it or not, we are overwhelmed to a certain extent because God grants us the grace of experiencing that because he wants us to begin to experience in, in a very small but incarnational way what his inner life is like, that, that now there's three. <laughs> Unless, of course, you have triplets. <laughs> and then there really are three. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's a different kind of Trinitarian. You know? <laughs> but anyway, um, I think that that's, that's the beginning of, but what's the mystery of parenthood is there's invisible stuff going on once that 
concrete new child comes into existence and is placed in front of you with all of its needs, that God begins to, or at least wants to, reveal what it's like. Because what are we called? We're called children of God. And he's called the Father. And the church is called Holy Mother Church. And so so we're now in a microcosm, in a very concrete and human way, actually experiencing what it's like to be living in that experience of God's life himself. And therefore that draws us more into union with him, or at least it's meant to draw us more into union with him. I think what happens when you have that first child is that unlike when you marry, that that your spouse is able to uh, take care of themselves still at that point right. when, when marriage happens, right? They Great are a, a fully functional and independent, as, as we understand yep. that term, being. But when that baby is born, what you realize is you realize there is another human being that is completely helpless without your intervention and care and protection, and you realize that there is, there is no one else on the face of the earth who, who really has the obligation to take care of that child and see to its needs and, and see to its growth and safety and development. And then what you realize as the child develops and you develop along with the child is that they, they continue to depend on your nourishment materially, intellectually, spiritually, and they are still, in a, in a sense, even as they reach into late childhood, helpless in a sense. They're, they're helpless for, with all the experiences that they've never had, but that you have had, and that you right. can guide them through, give them perspective on, give them experience. And, and nobody, and again, no one else on the face of the earth has the obligation to do that for them except you and your spouse or you and you and the, and their mother. And I'm speaking as a father. And I think that's, that whole experience, that is what stops you in your tracks. And that's what makes you say to yourself when you are holding that baby, that newborn, that's what makes you say to yourself in a much more profound way and feel, oh my, there's no going back here. My life has fundamentally changed. I'm a fundamentally different person because I have this, this burden that is unlike anything else. And it can, and it can stop and it stops you in your tracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. think I've, where were you? And the way is definitely not easy. I mean, it, you know, uh, I've, I've talked to so many young mothers and, and, and parents and, um, and, you know, I think I've probably said this before beating a dead horse, but, um, I, that there was something about that statement. Um, you got to pick your battles that always bothered me. And then after getting through several years, you know, with kids, I realized that it was the small battles that won the big wars. I mean, it was all of the the attention to detail in how they treated, you know, each other and how they responded respectfully to me or other authority. Um, You know, having to, you know, every time you needed a correction to stop and go through this is this is how we should have handled that. This is, you know, how could you have said that more nicely or how could you have, you know, I mean, to do that and go through your day nitpicking apart, you know, our values and our, our you know, the moral reasons why we do things is is pretty tiring. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it and calls pretty, you pretty heavy. <laughs> it, it calls you it calls you out of yourself in a way that is uh, mm-hmm. related to, but still, it's a it's a whole degree of intensity beyond what having a spouse is and being married to to another adult is. Yes, because and, and you have I to think... you have to like kind of like Stephanie's saying, you just you have to be 
evaluating yourself re- continually and you're you're thinking about reflecting back in your day i need to go back and reiterate this point i or i need to go back and deal with uh you know the relationship between these two children more equitably i need to i need to get that sibling relationship a little bit more on an equitable plane after whatever happened yesterday and then i need to do i need to make this better about myself or thank goodness i right. said what i said or i did what i did and uh, it's yeah it, it calls I you think, out of yourself I, in a really incredible way right and i think that part of it uh, we'll get, i want to get through the to the practical side of it, but the, the, um, uh, is there some feedback going on? Yeah. yeah, yeah um, there is. Not, not quite sure why. I don't, I don't know either, but the, um, the bottom line is if you listen to what you were saying, Thaddeus, and what Steph was saying, the the cool thing that I think people miss if they're not looking for it in terms of act, vision and action, because it because it is a sacrament, God is delivering grace in and through that marital sacrament. And part of the grace that I think many of us miss is He's trying to communicate something about Himself in and through the experience of being a parent. And so when I was listening to you say, Thaddeus, that that they're utterly helpless and they are in need of me that in, in that sense, because as we grow up, I think we think we're self-sustaining. It's a reminder to us that when we're called children, that we have a father in heaven, that we really are helpless without him. And And that that's part of the revelation. Even more consoling even more consoling is extending that to what Stephanie said, which Stephanie said that I, you know, it's, it's the details, it's the small things that me as a parent want to get involved in. I think also God is revealing to us as we've learned that that's what's important about being a parent to a child is he is actually pointing to us saying, I want to be involved in the small things. I am a God who cares so much that I am concerned about the details. And so I, again, pointing us back to the fact that it's important to remember that as a sign that we are participating in and he's given us the grace to do it, that we also, as part of the vision, need to recognize that he's communicating part of himself to us. So even as our vision is best and we all fall short as, as parents, particularly at certain times we fall short, but we have an idea of what we ought to be doing and what we should be doing. And every once in a while we have, we, we say the right thing. We handle situation the right way that when we, and we recognize that, that we learn something about our relationship with God because God is the exact same way. He is the perfection of parenthood. He is raising us. And I think we miss that, but that's part of the grace of the mystery, the sacrament of marriage, is that he, if we will open our eyes and ask for the grace to hear him and recognize in our own the things that we do well. I think I've told the kids this when they were younger, uh, when they were younger, I, I would tell them when I when I did something bad that that was Trey Cashin. That was not I was not imaging the father. I was imaging my sinful self because I didn't handle it. I was short with you, right? I didn't help you when I should have helped you, or whatever is going on. And does that make does that make any sense? I think that's part of the grace that we often miss. And it's certainly high level. It's up there in the clouds where I need to be called down from every once in a while. (laughs) No, I I think think... that's a really, I think that's a really profound point about our need to recognize our child, our childlikeness. Right. And so that we are childlike. I mean, 
this is a very famous line from the Gospels, but, of course, Christ said, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, and he gestures to the children who are gathered around the apostles, right, in that, in that famous scene. Right. And you have to be—if you don't become like children, then you can't inherit the, the kingdom of heaven, correct? I, it, right. And that, that and that, no, I think, yes. And, and I think the cool thing is, it, as you raise children, if you'll, if you'll include it in your prayer life, what you'll see is when a child does something that you recognize as, wow, they did that really well, apply that to yourself as a child of God. For example, I remember a time when Kennedy had done something that he shouldn't have done. Well, he, he left the neighborhood when he was, I don't know, maybe sixth grade or something. And we'd always told him he shouldn't do it. Well, he got away with it. Nobody would have ever known. But he came to us in tears. I thought something really bad had happened. But he very contritely, without any you know, fear, because he could have gotten away with it, was worried about that relationship so much that he was truly saw it was perfect penitence. It was, it was not, it was perfect contrition. And that revealed to me something about what God wants from me is that total openness. Cause it also taught me something when I, when he did that to me, the, I wasn't mad. I was so overwhelmed with like, Oh my gosh, I'm so, I mean, so thankful for that. And what I'm saying is, is that revealed something to me as a parent in and through that beautiful action of a child that said, Trey, are you really like that? That's what I want. No matter what you do, if you'll just come openly to me and confess it and be truly sorry because of the relationship that was broken, that's, that was all that was bothering him. It wasn't that he was going to get caught because he could have gotten away with it. So I don't, there are things like that that happen that you can totally miss if you don't ask for the grace to do it. But I do believe that if you're living the sacrament, that grace is made available. Just be open to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's had an experience like that, if either of y'all had before. But I think that's part of the vision that flows from the action. And they kind of play back and forth with each other. So like you have the vision and then you see it in action and it reconnects with the vision, which is God revealing himself to us through that. So I don't know any thoughts on that. Well, I just think it's just the living, you know, it's kind of, it's that whole, I always kind of use the analogy and this may fall on deaf ears for some of the younger people, but you know, um, used to in school, we had these transparencies that you would put onto this, machine and it would project the notes onto the screen. We didn't have smart boards back then, <laughs> but I, but I feel like that, that the, those transparencies that, that, you know, that writing of the transparencies, our faith, it, you know, as a transparency over our lives, you know, putting that over our lives and trying to see everything through the eyes of faith and receiving, um, you know, things through the eyes of faith, you know, it, whether it's good or bad. I mean, you know, there, right. there's, there's, there's happy, there's happy times. Obviously we all know there's happy, joyful times and there's, um, and there's sad, difficult times. And without that transparency of our faith that gives it meaning, um, I, you know, I've talked to so many, um, people, I mean, people don't know I work in hospice and, um, you know, people talk all the time about, you know, when they're at the end of their life, what do people do that have no life of faith? Like, what does it all, what does it all mean? And I think as a parent, that's what we're trying to give to our children. We're trying to give them that meaning that, you know, just because something bad happens doesn't mean we're bad people. I mean, you know, Trey always, we always talk about the fact that, you know, when they, when kids can get on a rant about this is not fair and, you know, angry about, I mean, all you have to do is point to a crucifix. I mean, there, there's the, the pinnacle of injustice and unfairness is, um, is, is Jesus who was fully man, but, but, fully divine, um, you know, came down to earth and suffered, um, you know, just a, a grueling, um, death for just one of us. If, if there had just been one of us that needed, you know, um, his love that he, you know, that he would have, have done, 
done that all over again. So, and, um, yeah. Well, I think that's perfect. I think that's great. And it's a great segue because the next thing I was going to talk about is, so what does holiness look like? And ultimately, you know, holiness, um, if you look at Romans 8, 28 through 30, it ends with, you know, we're to be, we're being conformed into the image of his son. And I think both of y'all have mentioned the fact that it's not hard. What is, what is, what image of the son do we have as good Catholic Christians around? It's the crucifix. Mm -hmm. So him on the cross, it's why it's so important to have him there. That, that being conformed in his image is in and through those sufferings, right? You know, Colossians one twenty four. Paul says, you know, I rejoice now in my sufferings. Well, can we rejoice in the sufferings that we experience and recognize that in and through those sufferings, God is conforming us into his image. Um, that's a joyful thing. We're becoming more holy by sometimes what we experience passively because it's happening to us we're not doing it and we if we can accept it looking at the crucifix and again this is a great point to to teach your kids and to remember yourself is we should start every day with a an offering uniting the day's work to christ's sacrifice on the cross that's made present again that's represented in every mass so that every day, all of that has meaning from the littlest things to being cut off or something happening that you didn't want to happen or it not working out instead of just saying, well, just get over it. Cause it's, you know, I don't know about you all, but I mean, my mom was the queen of offering <laughs> Offer up, it up, you know, I mean, <laughs> anytime, but you have to coach that a little bit. I think mom said it a lot without, without teaching me what that means. What it means is, and we should be teaching our kids and reminding ourselves, make that daily offering. And when it's happening, say, look, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I wish it was gone. I wish it didn't happen this way, but I am going to accept it because I can look at what you did for me on the cross and I'm going to unite it with that offering. And that is going to be why Paul rejoices because I make up for what is lacking in his suffering. One of the ways that I try to express it to the children, the the verb or the phrase that I use is with offering it up is when you offer up your little hurt uh, for someone else who's suffering on earth and you're uniting yours and that person's with Christ on the cross, I use the, the idea of you're in it with that person. You're, you're taking your suffering and you're being in that other person's suffering with them. And the two of you together are being right. in Jesus's suffering on the cross in whatever little way, but it, it's happening metaphysically, miraculously across time and space. You're being in the passion and you're being in that person's suffering by taking the suffering you're going through and putting it with them and with Christ. So and, and being so in it with them. A great, a great teaching point that you can point out to even little kids is at mass when the when the priest drops the little bit of water into the cup prior to consecration, into the cup of blood before it's consecrated, does represent in its entirety every offering that not only we do but that all humans have ever done in union with Him. And it's so united that you could not tell the difference between that when the water went in there, when it went out, and when it's being offered, he has united himself to us. And so it becomes invaluable, even though it's little. And so you can point to your kids at Mass, hey, watch this next time at Mass, and remember that that's, our, that's a symbol of our offering being united with his, and when it's consecrated into his when the priest says, this is my blood, it becomes one with him. And then it is then offered in and through the mass to the father. I, that is a great teaching opportunity to show outwardly in, in signs to teach what a sacrament is, <laughs> to, 
to show them why it's important that signs are good and valid and then to actually to give them some visual sense of even my little thing can be offered just like that little drop of water can be offered in union with him to the father and it's the same as if he was doing it that's what i think paul's talking about is making up when he says i make up for what is lacking in the sufferings of christ there's nothing lacking in it except for the fact that christ invites us to suffer with him so that all of our sufferings no matter how small or how big have meaning united with him so i'll get out of the theology clouds but but i think but i do think that <laughs> well, that's just listening point. but listening to you um you know talk about suffering i think that you know none of us can ignore the the big elephant in the room is that right now we have such a grand opportunity a big opportunity i mean god has put us on this earth at this time and he has called us um you know, to, to, to bring love into the world. And right now, uh, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, in my 57 years of life, I have never in my life experienced anything like what is going on, um, you know, currently in, in our world. And, uh, you know, uh, love is the answer. I mean, <laughs> you right. know, love and yeah, <laughs> but love and truth and, and, um, you know, uh, talk about being in it <laughs> with people. I mean, you know, it, there's so many, uh, it's overwhelming to think about, you know, how much, um, how much there is to be in it with people, uh, you know, right now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think we have a great opportunity um, you know, and, and, and th does that mean that you, you know, ha have to, you know, be on the street corners calling that the kingdom of God is at hand and who, you know, no, it's, it's about being present to those that cross your path every day. God has called us, you know, to be right where we are and not to miss those opportunities, not only with our kids, because, um, you know, I think we all have had I've never known a generation like our, our like our babies, <laughs> the ones that were born in 2001, that have dealt with so much. I mean, they were born the year of you know the the 911, yeah. and um, and now they're going out of high school and trying to get into college in, in a pandemic. <laughs> and yeah. so um, they you know they've had a lot of suffering in their little lives. <laughs> Suffering, yeah. big suffering that you know I can't say that I've I've ever experienced. Um, yeah, and I think uh, that's exactly why it's important to try to teach them in and through this because it's ongoing, and they need to understand that there's meaning even if we don't know it, and it is valuable and meaningful regardless of what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Did you have something to add, Thaddeus? Um, okay, so so I, I want to go on from that. You also, y'all both mentioned uh, talking about um, being being um, the children make you kind of die to yourself. You know that that that's another way we're conformed to the image. Not not just in the the sufferings that come, but just hey, I can't go do certain things that I used to do for the sake of that child and that I meant to give myself away. And I, you know, one of my favorite quotes from John Paul's theology of the body, St. John Paul, II, so I don't miss two saints in a show, but, but, <laughs> but the, the body and it, he says the body and it alone is capable of making the invisible visible, the divine and the spiritual. And so I think that when we, take that vision that, that we're meant to make him present, the extension of reaching out to people in need is there. As a parent, that what does that look like? As a parent, it looks like taking five minutes when a kid says, can you go play baseball? Can you go throw a ball? I mean, that happened with a godchild just the other night. I was out there 
And I was talking with somebody else and he said, Hey, Pomeran, can you come play baseball with me? And my initial response is, was, no, can't you see I'm talking? I mean, that's what, <laughs> that was the first human response. And I was like, no, I need to say yes. Even though it's a hundred degrees out there, <laughs> you know, I mean, because it's the right thing to do. And he, as a young child, when he sees that gets a glimpse of in, in albeit my very lacking way, but gets a glimpse of God in terms of God's willingness to enter into the smallness of our lives. And, and so I challenge everybody out there, myself included to the next time your kid asks you to, whether it's a teenager or, or a two year old to do something with them, stop what you're doing. You know, if you're driving, put the car in park, but, <laughs> but, but, but stop what you're doing and be with them. That's what Jesus did. He condescended. He, he descended from heaven, from all his glory and all the perfection and entered into our life. I see a vision of him as, as that parent. I remember a good friend of ours, Martin Landrew. I learned from him that when he was talking to his child, he would get down on his knee and so he could see him eye to eye. And I thought that was a great looking back. That was a great image of, of God coming down to us and saying, here I am and I'm listening and I'm with you. So anyway, I think that's uh, pretty cool to remember. Um, and again, that's being conformed to the, into his image. So, yes. And very hard to do because, uh, you know, especially for, uh, for people like myself who have their own, I, I used to laugh and say, I, I had my, my to-do list and then God interrupted my day with his to-do list. <laughs> right. <laughs> you and know, that, and, and that's really sometimes hard to let go of, you know? Um, but there, that's that entering, you know, entering into, and certainly, um, Certainly, uh, you know, I had my good days and my bad days, but um, and some days I had really creative days because I made them enter into folding the laundry or matching socks. But that again, and we've talked about this before, that is a great image of what God does. I mean, you could fold socks way better and clothes way better, but the fact that you as a parent invite them into doing that not only teaches them responsibility but but it but it also teaches them the fact that god wants even though he could do all these things that he's doing in our lives way better than we can he's asking us to participate in it and i think that's another great way to look at it so i know we're getting towards the end there's one other one that i think and it, it kind of extends from this because a lot of time you'll hear people and it is indeed true that that a definition of holiness is being set apart and I think it's really important for us to remember, yes, just as God was set apart from us, he, we can't go to him in terms of like, we can't build the Tower of Babel and go there. Um, he has to come to us that he's set apart. We, as a holy priesthood, are set apart, but being set apart is meant to go out and share not to seclude ourselves from others. So not only within our household should we do that as our kids get older and to the extent that it makes sense, we should also share of ourselves with other people. You know, we're set apart in order that we might go out. And that's, again, point to the mass. The mass is a great teaching tool. What is the mass named over the Ida Misa Est is the last, you know, it is sent. What is sent? The body of Christ is sent. That means you're sent after you leave mass out into war in the world to go be that image to others, be the kind word, be the, the helping hand, all those type of things. So anyway, we're down. Yeah. We're down I think a great end. little prayer too, very simple and great little prayer to do with kids is, you know, at the end of mass, Hopefully when, you know, you now, especially that we have to kind of stay as they let us very safely exit masses to just 
to pray that prayer that I can be Jesus's eyes and see what needs to be done. I can be Jesus's mouth to, you know, speak love into this world, be Jesus's hands, you know, to do good and his feet to go where he wants me. I mean, so those are very tangible things I think that kids, um, you know, that, that kids can understand, um, using those, you know, using your senses and, and whatnot. So, well, I have, um, do you have anything else, Trey? Cause I have a quote. No, I actually don't have a Bible yeah. verse. I have a quote today from, um, Pope Benedict the 16th, um, on the universal call to holiness. And he says, Christ is calling each of you to work with him and to take up your responsibilities in order to build the civilization of love. And I think that's, um, just kind of what we were trying to say in a nutshell is that, you know, that we are to be Christ in this world um, and build that civilization of love. And, and sometimes those responsibilities are, are across, um, you know, sometimes they're joy and, and easy and, and fun. And sometimes um, they're very difficult. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome quote. I would just add in real quickly that let's not be overwhelmed by that word civilization. That civilization starts in the family. The family is prior to the state. It's the building block of society. That's where it starts is in the family. That's right. 30 seconds. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Our civilization is, is, uh, so right is right where we're planted. (laughs) Yeah. So Steph, I know you, you can roll out with, uh, Yes. 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 So thank you. Thank thank y'all for everybody. Yes. So everybody remember only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. God bless you. Pray for us. We're praying for you. Keep your eyes open. Eyes of faith. God bless you guys. St. John Paul II stated that, for the disciple of Christ, evangelization is a duty, an obligation of love. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that evangelization is necessary for salvation. So we know we're called, but how do we do it? St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. To learn more, contact us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. 